So this is my first sermon of 2020. And, and luckily I've only had two weeks off, so as a preacher you get cobwebs, right? And the first one's always bad. But two weeks off, it's like, nah, I'm still good to go. I'm still, still ready. And um, the theme I'm going to pick up is the new year. So this idea of newness and what it means and how it looks and what God is, is doing through that. Now, interesting fact, today is my 984th sermon. There you go. So for what it's worth, that I've, that I've written, I've preached some of them twice, so that I've written this is 984. So in 16 sermons, it's going to be a thousand and we'll keep going. Um, so my hope is like every week that God will speak to you, right? That's, that's just what... That's why I do it, that God will speak and God will encourage. Yeah, just throw me up into the fans. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> okay, so, a uh, very important question. We'll get them later. Um, are there any cat lovers here? Cat lovers. I'm really sorry, guys. For you. Um, that was an but just cats, right? Any dog lovers? There's always more dog lovers. Lovers of dogs. That's the way, that's good. Um, you'll enjoy what I'm about to say. And if you're a cat lover, um, you'll enjoy it too because you don't have a dog. So, dog's New Year's resolutions. So, what New Year's resolutions would a dog have? Well, there's, there's several of them. The, the dog would say, I will remember the garbage collector is not stealing our stuff when I go running after him. I will not suddenly stand straight up when I'm lying underneath the coffee table. I will shake the rainwater out of my fur before coming into the house. I will not eat the cat's food before or after she eats it. I will stop trying to find new places on the carpet when I'm about to throw up. I will not roll on dead things. I will stop considering the cat's litter box as a cookie jar. I will not chew my human's toothbrush and then not tell them. When in the car, I will not insist on having the window rolled down when it's raining outside. I will not go crazy barking when I hear the neighbour's car start as he leaves to work at 5am. And I will not steal my mum's underwear out of the laundry basket and then dance all over the front yard with them. <laughs> New Year's resolutions, do you have any? Have you blown it already? It's the hard thing about you, like you're pumped on New Year's Eve. And even half of New Year's Day for your New Year's resolutions, and then it just goes. So um, I want to share with you the origins of where this idea of New Year's came from. Well, where did the thing come from? Because it hasn't existed for forever. Our modern day understanding of New Year's. The first celebration of the beginning of the New Year was on March first. Way, way, way back, a couple of thousand years ago. March 1st was understood to be the start of the new year. And it was practiced by the Romans. So the Romans were the kind of world's superpower. They made up the rules and their new year started on March 1. Then Julius Caesar instituted New Year's Day on January 1 to worship, or as a sign of worshipping and paying honour to Janus, January Janus, the two-faced god who would look forward and look back. And out of that, the idea of mimicking this God and having New Year's resolutions where you look back on your last year and therefore look forward to your New Year. And so, so the custom of New Year's resolutions began and it had this moral flavour. It was about being a good person. So a New Year's resolution was about being a good person. Now when Rome took on Christianity um, as its official faith, the Christians decided to keep New Year's Day 
but change it, transform it somewhat. And then instead of being about Janus, or Janus, the, the, the Roman god, it became about Christ. And so your new year became about fasting and praying as a way to be conformed to the pattern of Christ, to become more like Christ, so that your year would reflect the nature and the character of Christ. So our New Year's Day that we celebrate, like all across the world, all across the Gold Coast, has Christian origins. The Christians were the first ones that said, January 1st, we're going to make that about something new and different and exciting. So the original Christian understanding of New Year's is to step into or re-experience new life in Christ. That's what the new year was always about. Now hold that thought. I want to read to you the the, the first happenings or goings on after the birth of Jesus. So Jesus is born, we did that in December. Um, And then uh, Luke 2, chapter 15, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 2, verse 15, says this. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So God shows up in all his glory and splendor, and people's response after hearing what was happening was to go and see. The angel didn't say go and see, go and meet, go and find Jesus. So the child had been born and they went, oh, we've got to go and see what God is doing. And so they, they rushed, they hurry off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. So they experienced the goodness and the glory of God and their response was to go on a mission and find what God was doing in the world. To find where God had already showed up in the world and join God. That's pretty cool, right? God never told them to do it, there's a response. So when we experience the goodness or the power or the almightiness of God, one of the responses in us is to go and do stuff for God and look for God more. So they heard that, uh, they went out, and when they had seen him, that's Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So God spoke, they went, and after discovering, they told everyone. But Mary, she treasured up all these things in her heart. So Mary's sitting there, oh, I've got some competition today. Alright. So Mary's hearing all these things and her heart is gripped. It's like God has taken hold of her heart. She's like, oh, this is so incredible what I'm in the midst of a part of. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And on the eighth day, and this is really important, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. If you include Christmas Day, you count Christmas Day, you count eight days, you arrive at New Year's Day. New Year's Day is the day the church has said, we will celebrate, we will remember, we will uh, worship God for the fact that Jesus was named on this day. Now he was a Jew, so when you were named, you were also, if you're a male, you're circumcised. Circumcision was the Jewish entry into the people of God. Um, it was a sign that you belong to God, you're a Jewish male. And so New Year's Day is set aside for us to remember the naming of Jesus. Now, tricky question. Ready? When do you name someone? When they're born. Or when they cut you off, right? When you're driving your car. 
shouldn't name them that. But when they're born, right? So, so you name someone when they're, when they're born, when they begin their new life. Now, in the middle of the 6th century, parts of the church began to set aside January 1 because of the, the naming of Jesus, and they called this thing the Feast of Circumcision. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was one of those Facebook events where everyone says they're interested and no one turns up. Right, that's the part of you you just don't want to go to. Circumcision to the Jews and the early Christians, it was a symbol of sanctification. Now, sanctification is a simple word. It means to be set apart, to be set aside. And so the idea was a Jewish male would be circumcised. They would be set aside for the purposes of God. In Christianity, we talk about being sanctified. We are set aside for the purposes of God. That's at the core of this idea about New Year's Day. To be set aside for the purposes of God with a new identity, a new name. And New Year's Day became this combination of, as that happened, there was a looking back and a looking forward. Looking back to what we want to leave behind and looking forward to what God has in store. Now, I want to do that for Phyllis just for a few minutes. 2019 was an amazing year for us. We had so many firsts. We had our first public Easter service down the beach. We've been going down that beach every time for Easter, but this was the first one when we said to the community, come join us, we want to do something with you. We had our first church camp. We have had our first combined church children's event with Dan Waller, the Church of Christ. If you're able to come to that, it was amazing. Um, we confirmed three of our young people. Um, we attempted property, well, I said attempt, we did more than that. We property reconfigured. Um, we, we, we were able to change our, our, our space. Um, we, we set up a play group that is thriving. Um, we've had a public Christmas service on the 22nd of December where all of us and a whole bunch of involuntary people happened to be there and joined in, right? There was like hundreds of people and like all these people are just picnicking around and like, yeah, we'll be part of it. And it was just wonderful. Now, anything else that springs to mind? Highlights of 2019. Oh, we did. Represent. What? Yep. Oh, yeah, first dedications. Addie's looking. Oh, that was an amazing day. Loved it. Yep, first dedications. That's awesome. What else? Sound gear. Woo! There is, this is the result of that. I was so. I never thought. It was ridiculous. Like that following week, I'm like, I never thought a sound system would make me so happy. Is that really bad? For a whole week, I went, oh, it's, oh, it's so good to be heard. Um, that we had that many people going, can't, love what you said, just couldn't hear any of it. Um, so now we can be heard. Anything else? This is good, like you've already seen them honest. So we had an amazing year. Oh, we had an amazing year. Now I want to do this personally. We're not going to share, but I want you to take a few moments, look back on 2019, and remember, what in particular do you want to leave there? But not drag into this year. What is it that you, you, you want to stay there, that you want to close the chapter on and move away from? What pain, or disappointment, or misery, or difficulty, or fear, or worry, or bitterness, or jealousy, would you like to be sanctified from, set aside from, set apart from, by God, cleansed from, 
released. I'm going to pray. Lord, if there are things that have not sprung to mind that you want us to think on, bring them to mind now. Things that are defining our present and our future that shouldn't be. Things that are influencing decisions we make that shouldn't be influencing them. Things that cause us to have a wrong opinion of ourselves or a wrong opinion of others. Lord, we don't want those things. So Lord, now I ask by the power of your Spirit that you would sanctify us. You would set us aside from that. You would pull us away from whatever that is, that we would never have to experience the pain of it again, experience the burden of the difficulty or the heartbreak of it again. We'd never have to experience the anger or the dread or the anxiety of it again, Lord. Sanctify us. Set us apart from it by the power of the Spirit, we pray, Lord. May we live in this new life that you give us. Teach us of that new life. Remind us of that new life. Speak to us of that new life. We might be free as you call the made us be. We pray these things in your name. Amen. It's the new year. We have just left all that rubbish behind with God. There is to be no picking it up. There is to be no going back and playing with it. There's to be no dabbling with it. I'm just going to check something about it. It's gone. You are set aside from it. God has set you aside. Just leave it where it belongs with God. He has called us into something new. Now, I mentioned before that the 1st of January is the church's celebration of Jesus' name. On the 8th day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. It's important you think of, we read the story and go, of course his name's Jesus. You don't kind of need to kind of mock me by reminding. It's so important that he is named. So important, um, as we'll find out in a sec. I love the significance of names in the Bible. Have you ever thought about it? Names in the Bible? Adam's name means man, because he was the first man. Eve's name means life-giving because she bore the first life. Abraham's name means father of many because he was father of many. He was the father of, the founding father of all of Israel, the Jewish nation that we now know goes all the way back to Abraham. Isaac means laughter because when his mum of 90 years old was said, oh, you're going to have a baby, she laughed, right? And women, I imagine... That would be the case, right? If God said to you, you would laugh. That is absolutely ridiculous. And then it happens. Moses means I drew him from the water because he was drawn from the water. Woo, yeah. Joshua means God saves because that's what God did through the life of Joshua. Peter means rock because Peter loved rock music. A name in those days is far more than just a name. A person's name was their identity. It was who they were defined as. 
Names these days are given more to capture our imagination than anything else. My name is the most ridiculous name that I think I know. Uh, so Ralph means Council of Wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, now my middle name is Quinton. Quinton means five. My last name is Mayhew, which is French or something, right? So, if I were around in biblical times, people would look at me and say, there's the fifth council of French wolves. And I would be like, that's right. Got that right. We'd all be confused, right? What on earth is that mean? Names in those days, the captured who a person was. So Mary's son was called Jesus, just as the angel had instructed, which means God saves. Joshua, or Yeshua, is the Hebrew name for God saves. It's the kind of the Greek equivalent of Jesus, which is Jesus, which means God saves. It's the same name, just kind of transliterated across. It meant from the very beginning of Jesus' life, the mantle of Saviour was on him. From this day, eight days old, he gets named Jesus and the mantle of Saviour rests upon him. That mantle exists and lasts not just during his earthly life, but from then to now, to when time wraps up. Jesus is and will always be our Saviour. The Saviour of you and the Saviour of me. Just as it has been since he walked around in the Middle East. From the very first ceremony, only eight days after his birth, he was circumcised, which means he was sanctified, he was set apart for God's purposes. And God's purpose was that he would save us through Christ. His identity was established on this. Everything he did from then on was all about this. Everything you want to know about how you are saved, you just look to Jesus. Anything you want to know about God, you just look to Christ and you see his saving grace extending towards us. His identity was set, it was done, that was his name on his naming day. On the equivalent of our first of January. So, if it were the first of January today and you had the chance to rename yourself, perhaps with an idea, perhaps with a, a banner over what you'd like your life to be, what, what would it be? What would you name yourself? You'd name yourself Ralph? Just because it's cool, right? Yeah, Council of the French Five Wolves or something like that, I can't remember. Would it be successful? Would you say, that's, that's what I want my life to be about? Would it be respected? Would it be wise or compassionate or loving? Would it be carefree? Or humble? Or joyful? Or would you go, I just, I just can't get rid of the, the name that's there. It's sad. It's sad. I feel, I feel hurt. Or damaged. Or depressed. Or anxious. Or lonely. Or lost. Or wandering. What would you identify yourself as? Because names are significant. We're all about the banners that we stick on ourselves. A new, new name captures who we are, it captures how we might be set aside by God for God's purposes. And I ask because the crux of today is not only about Jesus' naming ceremony, it's where we have the opportunity for Jesus to rename us. To change the name or the banners or the signs that we've been living against that have been plastered all over our lives to replace those things. The day God sets aside to sanctify us. A time when you step away from what you have been and you move in to who God is calling you to be. There's a middle-aged lady who had a heart attack. 
She was rushed to hospital, and in hospital she has a near-death experience. In that near-death experience, she meets God and says to God, is it my time? And God says, no, no, it's not your time. You have another 43 years, two months, and eight days to live. Thank goodness for that. She probably said, thank God for that. Uh, This isn't a true story. Um, That is terrible theology. Um, So, upon recovery, whilst in the hospital, the woman thinks, I've got 43 years, we need to make the most of this. But while she's there, she gets a tummy tuck. She gets a liposuction, she gets a nose job, some face work done, some Botox, and she feels like, wow, feels amazing, gets her hair done, she's feeling terrific. And so by the time it comes to leave the hospital, she's walking across the road, she gets run over, hit and killed by an ambulance. Cannot believe it. Face this God again. It says, God, are you kidding me? You said that's 43 years. God says, I didn't even recognise you. <laughs> Roadworthy, right? There was a time when I wasn't a dad and I didn't have permission to say that joke. But there you go. I think we let our identity be shaped by everything else other than what God says about us too easily and too often. So much so that we end up fearing that God's not going to recognise us. That God doesn't want to be around us or welcome us in because of all these other stuff that we've got on our lives. We believe this lie and we drift further away from God. But we are given a new identity in Christ. We're given a new name. He speaks new purposes. He sanctifies us. He sets us aside with a new name and a new identity to fulfill his purposes. Just as in a naming ceremony, and you know in a naming ceremony, you you don't get to say what your name is. You don't say, you know, Mary, call me this. Jesus didn't have that. That was all from God. He's like, and he will be called Jesus. And then the eighth day, he was circumcised and he was named Jesus. A name is put on you by another. We can do all we can to change the exterior of our lives and what our identity looks like and how we're seen and all of that. But the interior is God's realm. And what God says about you matters. And it's important. And he says good things about you, and loving things, and wonderful things, and things that he's meant to, he wants to encourage you with, and uplift you about, things he wants you to believe. Because only he can fix all that stuff inside. You don't have the power to save yourself. But God does. God says, I want to give it to you, I'm dying to give it to you. I want to save you from all those other names that you sit under, that you believe, that you carry around. They're not the name I gave you. I want to give you a new name. I just want you to listen for it. Your identity, who you truly are, God knows and he wants to speak it to you time and time and time and time and time and time again. Because he knows we're rubbish at remembering and holding on to these things. So he wants us to be willing to listen. To be willing to say, I'm going to believe what name it is that you put on me rather than all those other names. And when you listen, you start to receive from God. You start to receive a forgiveness from God that you can then extend to forgive others who have hurt you. And you receive a wisdom from God that you can then use to make wise decisions in your life. You you receive a friendship from God that you can then extend in friendship to others. You receive a love from God so you can stop hating yourself and hating others. You receive a healing from God that, that... from that lingering grudge that you've held against someone. You receive a courage 
to go and do the things you are scared out of your mind to do, but there's an inkling that God's calling you to do it. You're like, no, too hard basket, well out of comfort zone, not going there. And God's like, oh, I want to give you the courage, we're going to talk about this more next week, I want to give you the courage so you can just do that. You can, have the courage, you can use this courage that I've given you. Have the faith to share that faith with people who don't have any faith in Christ. These things are part of this new identity that God gives us. He says, I'm speaking it all the time. I just want you to listen. It's the identity we forget about, who we run away from, that we don't believe, that we've not yet received. But you are the only you this world will know. And something about your life is meant to make something about God's life known in a way that no one else can. For each of you this is true. You are the only you this world will know. Right now you're like this. Maybe you're thinking this. You don't, you don't understand me. This world doesn't need this me. This world needs the you that God has named and identified and spoken into. You are the only you this world, this world will know. And something about your life is to make something about God's life known in a way that no one else can. You don't need to be anyone else except who God asks you to be. That's what it means to receive and live out your identity in Christ. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to pray and lead us with some prayer. And then we're going to play a song. And if it's helpful, if it's helpful, up here and strewn across the front of the church. There's some name badges. And if it's helpful, we invite you to wander up in the spot, or maybe you're like, oh, I'm not going to in front of everybody, but you might do a family here, right? But it's too much, wander up afterwards. If you need to rename yourself, if you need to make it so clear that you stick it on, go, this is who I'm known, or if you feel God has given you something that you want to give to somebody else, then I want you to use this time as an opportunity to do that. Time to step out of your comfort zone, and maybe it's for you and God, or maybe it's for somebody else and God that you just want to bless. So we're going to finish praying, we're going to sing a song, so we'll be standing. You won't feel like anyone's watching. And if you'd like to use this, please do. And then we'll sort of bring the, our gathering to a conclusion. So let, let's pray. Lord, some of us sitting here realising that we should have done better at embracing the identity you gave. And even that thought is false. That we need to do better just to trust you and to listen. We need to just give up and open our ears that you might speak to us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak clearly your identity, your naming to us. You would set us apart, you would sanctify us for your purposes. And some of us are actually living in this new identity. We're feeling the thrill of it every day. There's a part of us that hopes it will never leave. There's a part of us that feels like we need to embrace it even more. Lord, we just pray you would speak even louder and even stronger to us. That we might just be convinced of that. Lord, there are some of us here today that have never received an identity from you, really. 
we, we, we believe we've come we've maybe not believed and yet Lord regardless of all of that you want us to hear your voice so speak to us Lord right now as we, we sit here before you speak to us 